The following episode of the Drew Barry Marathon was recorded during the WGA and SAG After Strikes of 2023. Our show is a film history podcast, spotlighting one actor every season and using their career to chart the course of our entertainment landscape. It is not a companion watch-along show, and we in no way encourage you to watch with us. Instead, our criticism is a vehicle for the season's larger conversation. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, the films covered on this show simply wouldn't exist. We stand with the striking writers and actors and promote the resolution of a fair and living wage. Welcome back to the Barry Marathon. My name is Taylor. And my name is Patrick. And I have a question for you, Taylor. Let's get into it. What is your problem with my letterbox hat? Uh, I don't have a problem with it, okay? Because you bought it for me. I did buy it for you. You did ask. Actually, you didn't ask for it. I said, hey, look at this letterbox merch. Would you be interested in, in having something? And you picked out the hat, and I got it for you for like Christmas or your birthday a couple years ago. Okay, this this is stemming from a conversation I just had in which Patrick and I will be going to the Kennedy Center tonight, a nice theatrical venue in the beautiful D.C., like on the harbor, uh, or on the, on the harbor, on like the water, river. on the river. And, um, you know, you dress up for those things. It's summer. You can get away with a little bit more casual. We're seeing To Kill a Mockingbird, a classic American tale. And he was like... I'm going to put on my polo shirt and my letterbox hat. <laughs> and I just think it's funny that that is like it's your... It's summertime. It's like 99 degrees outside. No, because here... Guys, here's what it really is. It is really... We went to a theater the other week that is way more chill. And the box office person went, oh, I love your hat. And he's been riding that high ever since. So he's hoping that the ticket taker at the Kennedy Center will give him the same luxury. But it won't happen because it's the Kennedy Center. Okay, well, number one, you can follow me on Letterboxd at Patrick J. Regal. Um, also, but don't stroke his ego. Also, the To Kill a Mockingbird review will be coming to our website uh, in the next week or so. Anyway, welcome to the Drew Barrymore Thon. This is the show where we are watching every single Drew Barrymore movie in chronological order to chart the course of film history along the way. This week, of course, The Wedding Singer from 1997, one of our more anticipated episodes. Yeah, I I mean, love Adam Sandler, love Drew Barrymore, love Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore together, Like, but I had never seen this movie. We saw the musical at a local theater, very theater-heavy episode. Um, uh, we saw the musical at a local theater several years ago and like really, really enjoyed ourselves. I think we kind of went just on a whim, like not really expecting much and just like had a total blast. So I was really looking forward to this. Yeah, this is the first of... Th- Three Drew and Adam uh, collaborations, and uh, which I have seen the other two. You've seen Blended. Oh yeah, that was a. I liked that movie. Oh, was I, it? I like recognized that it was not very good when I saw it, but I just like was really happy that like a new at the time Drew and Adam movie was out, so I watched it quite a bit. But yet you've never seen The Wedding Singer. I like, know the two are classics, or like like in your mind classics, but. You've never seen the other one? Oh, I don't consider Blended a classic. <laughs> uh, but like I said, in your mind. Um, I mean, there, there I, are essentials, there are go-tos, whatever. Um, 
No, I would not put... Blended socks. I don't remember Blended being very good. I just simply was really excited that, like, a new movie at the time existed with them in it. Um, but, yeah, it didn't, like, hold a special place in my heart. It was just, like, I like them so much I would I would watch it um, when I was, you know, didn't want to watch Fifty First Dates for the 500th time. Um, but, yeah, I don't know why why this one took me so long to get around to. I really don't. Maybe it just never, like, played on TV. I I doubt that. I don't know. Um, Let's read, as we always do, from the Video Hound Golden Movie Retriever 2004 Complete Guide to Movies on Video Cassette and DVD. Which, guys, I have to tell you, we looked this up because I was like, we need more Video Hound Guide. We can't stop at 2004. Um, And they went up to 2022, right? 2020. Maybe 21. Around that. Yeah, you might be right. Around that era. And... um, they're expensive, They're but... Expensive. Because, well, the last one especially is very expensive because it's kind of become like a collector's item. They're the last video hound ever. And that's how you can become a paid subscriber <laughs> of the feature presentation video.com newsletter. Um, your donation of $5 a month can go towards a new video hound guide uh, post-2004. We're getting close to the finish line, folks, so uh, you've got to help we now. start like a PBS drive. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like have like the barometer the, of the money. Yeah, and it's like in the phone's like, hello. <laughs> yes, this is the video you hound guide. call into the podcast. Yeah. Okay. The Wedding Singer, which they give a very dismissive... Two and a half bones. Ooh. I know. You ready for this? Despite almost non-existent pacing. What? And a script full of holes. What? Singer is an enjoyably goofy look at the mid-80s. Okay. I know. We, we have to start there. I'm sorry. I know I'm supposed to read the whole thing, but we got to start there. How can a movie so, like, so linear? It's like script 101. Have holes? Like- <laughs> Like, what is there to have a hole about? Like, this is when you, in, you, like, you introduce this character on page seven. Like, there's a misunderstanding on page whatever. I mean, it is like script 101. Anyway. Uh, surprisingly toned down and appealing Sandler is Robbie Hart, wedding singer, ultimate nice guy, and rock star wannabe, who's jilted at the altar. Waitress Barrymore is engaged to a skirt-chasing stockbroker. It's immediately clear that they belong together, and the rest of the movie is spent on them chasing each other through various contrived obstacles. To the obvious ending. Features great cameos by punk rocker Billy Joel, John Lovitz as a rival wedding singer, and Steve Buscemi, excellent as a groom's jealous dad-always-loved-you-best brother. Musical highlight is Sandler's heartfelt rendition of Love Stinks. Isn't it a little scary that we're already spoofing the 1980s? Um, no. <laughs> well, this know. was 2004, so. I and the get, movie came out in 97. No, so like, I, I get what they're saying. I get what they're saying, and I actually did have that thought, like, while we were watching it, is, like, it's interesting to set it in the 80s, um, but I don't know. I feel like movies are just, like, fun. I mean, not all, but, like, this movie is just a fun movie, and we actually watched a little bit of, like, the behind the scenes, and the director comes, the director and co-writer says, like, um, you know, I had, uh, Sandler came to me with this idea and then I said, um, let's put it in the eighties. I like the eighties. And I was like, that's enough for me. Like, he was just a co-writer. Was the um, director, by the oh, way. okay. Um, and that was like enough for me. I don't know. Like, okay. You wanted to do it. It's a fun ro- romantic he acted comedy. Like, it was like the most genius thing. I mean, maybe in 97, it was a pretty, uh, uh, pretty new idea, right? But he goes like, Sandler comes to me with this idea of a wedding singer who gets left at the altar. It's brilliant. What a pitch. And I say, 
let's put it in the 80s. And <laughs> like, I will say... Like that's an equal contribution. Yeah. It might be, but... <laughs> I will say that he he does say right directly after that, his next thought is, I think that the 80s had like the best music that ever was. I staunchly disagree. This movie's got a banger soundtrack. Oh, banger soundtrack. They, they, like, but it's curate, like, those like, are the best like ones. The 12 best songs of <laughs> yeah, the 80s. Yeah, it's like the 12 best songs of the 80s. It's like, yeah, you're going to have bangers in a decade, I would hope. Um, but I would not say that it's the best decade for music. Um, I'm pulling up the soundtrack right now, actually. Video Killed the Radio Star. Iconic. Every Little Thing She Does is Magic. Oh, Do You Really Want to Hurt Me? One of my favorites. Little David Bowie here. Uh, what else? What else? What else? What else? Flock of Seagulls, obviously the B-52s. Um, you make my dreams come true. I mean, there's some good stuff here. Yeah, absolutely. It's really, really fun. Oh, Rapper's Delight at the end, which was like so fun. <laughs> um, and so yeah, like a great, great soundtrack. Um, it's just interesting, and like I feel like you know, in this one instance, I feel like Video Hound Guide's just taking it a little too seriously. They got it way wrong, I think. Yeah, yeah. It is a little bit of that just like, we are so happy that this movie is like functional and it is script 101 and like it has distinct characterizations and jokes land and the music is good. And so even though the movie isn't really the best, it seems, especially in the midst of this project, but also in the midst of our current pop culture landscape, that it seems like the most you know, uh, uh, smooth movie of all time. I mean, functional scripts are always welcome with projects like this in the Vince Vaughnathon, right? Like we talk about it every week. We get fatigued. We feel like, you know, functional scripts no longer exist and we're never going to get to them. And so of course they're always welcome and they're always really refreshing and you know, all of those, all of those things. But I will say as a, you know, self-proclaimed rom-com enthusiast, um, I just, I don't know. I'm not saying that I don't like new age rom-coms. There are a lot that work so well and do the atypical thing really well. Some recent ones, uh, Mark Mary and some other people, phenomenal. Rye Lane was really good and really fresh. Um, there was another one. Um, but then when it comes to like, um, oh my gosh, Jennifer Lopez, new one. Marry me? Marry me. I was like, wedding, wedding, wedding. <laughs> um, like, marry me, and I feel like this is very similar in terms of wedding singers, separate from the the marriage um, uh, similar similarities. Like, I personally, I, w- I won't say that I, I have a preference for them, but I just like linear rom-coms. Sue me. I like to turn it on and know exactly where it's going and cry and laugh and then call it a day. I'm not saying that other rom-coms that try and do things differently aren't effective and I don't like them and I don't, you know, seek them out. Like, that's not true. I, of course, like those things. I talk about them all the time in um, my Taylor Loves Rom-Coms Column. Column. I'm just like, can't think of it. It's also called Taylor Watches Rom-Coms. Thank you, Taylor. Well, we've been on a bit of a hiatus, so um, it's been a minute. So Taylor Watches Rom-Coms Column. Um, And so, but I, I don't know. I like... I like linear stories. I like when rom-coms are just kind of typical, and this was that. So I think, separate from the fact that it's obviously very welcome in the context of the show, I also just think it's always welcome when it comes to my preference. I don't want to dismiss it and say, like, it's just functional. It just does everything that it's supposed to do. I think it's really cute, and it's really charming. And like I said, I think a lot of the jokes work. Um, you believe these two. I mean, there's, they have good chemistry. There's a reason why they've gone on to make other movies together. In fact, let's break this down. Let's start with Mr. Adam Sandler. Um, I love Adam Sandler. Okay. I love, 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 love Adam Sandler. Um, 
this is so random, but I feel like, so obviously like, okay, gosh, I have so many thoughts. I have to like collect myself. Obviously love him, loved him in 50 first dates. It's my favorite Adam Sandler movie of all time because it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It is one of my favorite rom-coms of all time. Like I just love 50 first dates so much cemented in my brain in, in a more recent edition. We love uncut gems. I have that uh, movie at a staunch five-star rating. I think it's perfect. I think it's brilliant. I think he's incredible in it. I loved him so much. He has so much talent, um, you know, that we are, that we are great, you know, graced with. Uh, and I, I love that to get into something, maybe a little, um, I don't know how to say this, maybe something you're not quite expecting. Click changed my life. <laughs> From the same director as The Wedding Singer uh, and Blended. Yeah, I can I can feel it. Click changed my life. Click was the first movie that I would just sob and sob and sob and sob over. And I would like put it on to cry. Like that was my like, <laughs> I need a good cry. Let's put on Click. And I have not revisited it in many, 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 many years. Because I like don't want to ruin it. Like yeah. to me, it is a masterpiece. And so I, I know that if I rewatch it, I'm going to disagree. You no, know, I used to do that with uh, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Really? No. Oh. <laughs> I've never seen that movie, so I don't know if it's You know sad. what that movie's about? Like two guys that get married? But it's like they do it to like scam the IRS or something. It's I don't remember exactly. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but something along the lines of like Kevin James has been claiming that he's married on his taxes, even though his wife died five years ago, and so like he has to get married to like something. I don't remember exactly what it is. Something like that, and um, he doesn't have any women in his life, so he asks his best buddy Sandler to marry him. Oh, yeah. I should watch it. <laughs> it's it's I, it's. I don't think it aged well in terms yeah, of it doesn't anything sound like of it. what I just said. It doesn't sound like it. Um, but yeah, I love Adam Sandler. And I think that he is so cute in this. Maybe his, the earliest movie in his filmography that I've seen of him? What Ooh. else did he do before this? Well, obviously he was on SNL, right? Yes. Um, very successful tenure over there. Where he did the like likable guy who sings songs and, you know, whatever. Was this whatever. entirely his 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 own voice in this movie. It doesn't sound like it. No, he's doing a bit. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, the two biggest heavy hitters Big before Daddy. this one are, are Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. Okay. I, is Billy Madison the golf one? That would be Happy Gilmore. Okay. I think I have seen Happy Gilmore at a friend's house. Okay. But I don't really remember it. Okay. Doesn't and matter. then I haven't this seen it. This is not Big the Daddy. Adam Sandler. Okay, it doesn't matter. But basically, what I'm saying is like, th- he was much. We'll just go through one by one. <laughs> Let's see. Have you ever seen Bulletproof? Nope. You ever seen Big Daddy? Nope. How about Little Nicky? No. How about Eight Crazy Nights? Mm-mm. You've never seen Eight Crazy Nights? I think you'd like Wait, did that. we watch that together? No. Was that the one with Joseph Gordon Levitt? No, that's a cartoon. Oh. Oh, no, I've never seen it. His Hanukkah movie. What's uh, the Hanukkah movie with Seth Rogen? The Night Before, is that oh, what it's called? okay. Uh, we watched, of course, uh, uh, where did it go? Punch Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love, thank you. Love the hot chick. Yeah, do you? Don't think it aged well, but... <laughs> Just Go With It is a oh, yeah. remake Love. of the movie Cactus Flower. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, Hustle was a pretty good movie that came out last year. Anyway, this is not the Adam Sandler <laughs> 
Okay, um, can I say something about Taylor? Yes. I often find him obnoxious. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, I know that he's a good guy and he takes care of his people and he's like the nicest guy on the planet and he's very humble. And I like him in every like interview and stuff I see. He did um, uh, one of those actors on actors with Brad Pitt one time and Brad like kept asking him questions about like how do you do comedy like I'm really interested in comedy and and like the rhythms of it and like the science of it and he was just like so amazed that Brad Pitt thought he was funny and like that's like that's why people like Adam Sandler right when he goes really far into character and he yells and he screams and he does little voices right he loses me okay like I would agree with that to an extent I feel like that is the reason that I have not like really taken a deep dive into his filmography because he's a very... No little Nickies for us. Yeah, like he's a very fatiguing person. Like yeah. you can... And so the things that I love him in, I just like really treasure because I recognize and appreciate his talent, but I also recognize that it is not always my cup of tea and I could get burnt out on it really quickly. And so like the things that I like and, and watch just stay very minimal. Like, in terms of, like, the reach. I think that he does all those things here, right? He sings his... Obviously, this thing is his his idea, right? He sings the silly little songs, and he does the bits, and he does the voice, and he does the yelling. But it's all very toned down, right? Part of that's early career, right? He hasn't uh, exploited those things yet, his go-tos. Um, they're just kind of right now just within his arsenal. Um, but also, I think that they're believable within this character. This character is just kind of a goober, and they've put him in a goobery situation where he is a career wedding singer, and uh, you know he loves love, and he's just kind of a um, a very sincere guy. And so when he like does get really upset, or he throws like a temper tantrum, or you know he he starts drinking or whatever, like you believe um, that he's been pushed there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I feel like he is just like really cute and earnest in this. Like you were saying, I feel like he um, he really nails the balance between like honesty and comedy, and that's something that's pretty hard to do, especially for an early career person, and especially for an early career person who then goes on to make a career out of really not having that line at all, and and really leaning into the. Com- the comedic side um, rather than any shred of honesty, which is another reason why Uncut Gems was just so unbelievable. Um, I would give that movie five stars even if we didn't have this precedent for Sandler, but I feel like obviously it's like a tour de force in terms of like a breaking type. So, so that's just like truly, truly so incredible. Um, and yeah, I just, I really, really liked him in this um, a lot. We're obviously going to come back to him with 51st Dates and then again with Blended. I don't remember um, him being... I, I've never seen Blended. I don't remember him being this way in 51st States. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I remember him being more regular and more sincere. Um, and uh, I really remember... Uh, uh, um, uh, is it Rob Schneider? Is he the yeah. one, is he the one well, that just... That, is he the one that what? That... Um, is is like kind of the the goofball clown in that movie. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Rob Schneider. Well, then there's also Sean Astin, who is a goofball clown. Okay. Sean Astin, he's like on roids. Oh, and like right. has a lisp. And he like only wears like shirts with holes in it. God, like I Leo forgot. on Love Island. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, no, I love him to So I, I, I think like you're on to something. Obviously, you know, I have not actually really revisited 51st States in many years. It's probably been seven 
or more years. It was like one of those that I was like, I kind of want to watch Fifty First Dates, and that was like around the time that Drew's name came up for season yeah, two. Yeah, and I was like, well, let's hold off because if we do, if we do decide to um, uh, have Drew be our season two person, then we should just wait. Yeah, and so I definitely, obviously, like I think that he does some really zany things. But it is the minority, and but he is. But the movie itself can be pretty, pretty zany at times, especially like I said, with a band of kind of lovable idiots. He he does these movies that like have a lot of heart behind them, and his characters are very lovable, even if they are over the top. Like the Water Boy is ridiculous, but like you still feel for that guy, you know. And uh, oh my god, wait, I have a story. And Hubie Halloween, same thing. Uh, you know, you you. You don't want him to be bullied or whatever, you know. But then you get to the, like, the you don't mess with the Zohans and stuff. It's like, okay, okay. All right, Grown Ups 3. Okay, I, ha- I have to tell this story because you mentioned the water boy. I would like to preface this with, with I've never seen the water boy, oh, okay? I wa- it was one of those, like, cable staples when, when we were, like, 10. I watched it all the time. My dad, grow- when I was growing up, was a die-hard 49ers fan. And I'm sure you go, oh, ha, ha, my dad loves football. No, not like my dad did. I mean, it was truly an addiction, and I don't say that lightly. I mean, would basically, like, you know, tape over family videos just to get, like, a random 49ers game. And, I mean, he was just obsessed. And when I was really young, an impressionable age, if you will, when I was, like, five maybe six my dad and my mom I don't know why they did this but they sat me down and they told me that my dad used to play for the 49ers and that he was a quarterback or no sorry that my dad was a that my dad was the water boy for the 49ers so didn't play and my mom was a cheerleader and that the movie the water boy was about their love story and I believed them for like two years And then they told me that that was a lie. And I was like, what are you talking about? And so I thought for so long that that water boy with Adam Sandler was about my parents. (laughs) Isn't that cruel? It's not even that it's cruel. It's just like, why the movie where... (laughs) Never mind. I think they just went on name alone. I don't even know if they've seen it. Okay, if they had, then I don't think they would do that bit. (laughs) Yeah, I just like... I don't know. And to this day, I go, like, why did they do that? Like, that was so mean. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and so I would, I would tell people. I gotta know if they've seen them. I man. would tell people that my dad was okay. a water boy. <laughs> you ever, like, seen a clip or anything of him in this movie? No, I don't know what it's about. <laughs> I thought it was about my parents. Okay, hold on. I'm going to pause the recording and show Taylor a clip. Hold on. What the hell? Okay, we're back. Do you think your parents ever saw that movie? <laughs> uh, probably not. <laughs> I fear that we're going to have to watch it now because you saw that Henry Winkler's in it. Henry Winkler, Henry Kinkler, as I like to call him, my favorite. I think he's so fine. I call our dog Henry Stinkler. <laughs> okay, anyway. Uh, okay. We'll come back to this Adam conversation in a couple movies. Let's talk about Drew. Maybe my favorite Drew performance. In fact, I, I think, think so. probably my favorite Drew performance. She's okay. Like I hate to every week just be like, oh, she's so cute. She's so cute. She's so cute. But she's she, the cutest. She's so cute in this movie. Yeah. Till where like when she gets um, you know, obviously she's has this issue deciding between the two men. Okay, and she does this bit where um, 
her name's Julia, and the guy she's about to marry has the last name Gulia, okay? And she's standing in front of the mirror, and she's trying to introduce herself to an imaginary person as Julia Gulia. And she, like, starts to, like, break down and cry and get really upset. And then she starts to introduce herself as Mrs. whatever. Robbie Sanders. Hartman. Robbie Hart? Just Hart? Hart? Hartman? Uh, Hart. Got oh, right. Hart. Mrs. Robbie Hart, Mrs. Robbie Hart. And then she, like, she just wipes away the tears and gets this big smile on her face. And you're like, wow, that was like really good. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> there are very few people who could pull that off and, and make it not like so silly. I mean, Julia Gulia is so <laughs> silly. Okay. They don't, they don't play that enough. I guess they just decided to save it for like this dramatic moment that Drew totally nails. But they do not play the, the Julia Gulia thing enough yeah i think um patrick was saying he remembers them playing it a lot more in the musical i think that they just like do a lot of rhyming with julia gulia um back but, to schoolia you know crap like that yeah um but i yeah she does it in such an honest way and just like her whole like body is in this performance like she just feels very present and very like rooted and um it's just really a treat to see and so like Yes, she's cute, of course, but like it's like um, it's just like a very, I there's depth to her cuteness. Does that make sense? Like she's she's very believable. Yeah, she's very believable, and you just like really root for her. You can also see why, um, like why she's so conflicted. You know, like even though she's got this terrible uh, boyfriend that she's with, she doesn't want to just up and leave him. Yeah. You know, like, that would be a crappy thing to do, right? Yeah. Obviously, the, the climax is its own thing, right? But, like, she's legitimately conflicted. And, like, you can understand why. Because she's a good person who, like, cares about other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she doesn't want to be selfish. She's really worried about being selfish. And that's what she finds endearing about Sandler's character is that he is a good person who isn't selfish and wants to take care of other people and um, and, and cares about what other people think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... I have to say, like, obviously I'm not going to say, like, you should marry people, you know, that give you security and that should be your priority and you should, you know, marry someone that you have cold feet about. Like, obviously that's not my message here, but I think in real life you meet people that just make sense. They might make sense financially. They might make sense socially. They might make sense, um, you know, in terms of just like the lives that you both want to achieve. And that's why people say relationships are work. Like you very, it's very rare that you find someone that is just your perfect other half. And so I think that this is like a really sincere conflict that she has of like, yeah, you know, um, Glenn is kind of a, kind of a dick and he's kind of you know um you know she doesn't know that he's cheating on her but like you know he's not everything that I look for he's not the man that you know I would dream up but he does offer me a lot of things he offers me stability he offers me um you know like a life that I want and like that is that is a a a real reason to consider getting married um you know I'm again I hope that doesn't come across wrong but um it's just like you it's something people consider yeah absolutely and um I I feel like the foil of Glenn and Robbie is like a lot more nuanced than just your typical like bad guy, good guy foil. But at the same time, I think that they do a really good job of making both of their exes. Um, uh, uh, obviously, Drew's. Did you just say his name and I've already forgotten it? Mr. Glenn. Gulia. Glenn Gulia. I, I almost called him Mr. Gulia too. And, uh, and um, Robbie's ex, whose name I can never remember. I'm so bad with character names. I'm sorry. I always refer to them as actor names. 
um, making them like detestable, care- terrible people who you don't care what happens to them. In yeah. fact, you like specifically want them to get their comeuppance because like so often in these movies, like I feel bad for like the boyfriend that gets screwed over or I feel bad for yeah. like the ex-wife or whatever because like, you always feel like, oh, they didn't deserve that. Like these characters are selfish and didn't handle it a great way. This, in a sort of cartoonish sense, has made them both so supremely terrible that you want nothing but them to get dumped as quick as possible. Yeah, which makes it so fun. Yeah. And, and you know, I feel like... And it's also another reason that adds a lot of nuances. Like I said, Julia doesn't know that he's cheating on her blatantly. Julia doesn't know how deep his poison runs. Like, she thinks that he's just kind of a troubled guy. And again, that is a reason to consider getting married. Like, if you don't know really what what he's doing and he's just kind of a kind of an asshole um you know you can maybe look past that and say i hope that he'll change um but because robbie robbie and the audience know truly deeply how terrible he is um it makes it all the more believable and it makes you you know get so much more passionate when it comes to rooting for julia to make the right decision uh, i also want to mention this movie has like a really deep bench of uh like character actors and they they mention uh, John Lovitz in the video Hound Guide, who I think is really funny, is this scene of like the wedding singer who isn't as good as Sandler, which I just like love the idea of rival wedding singers. Yeah, I, I think like honestly, I love just like niche, not that wedding singers are niche, but just like I don't know, I just I just really appreciate um, like occupations that people don't think of off the top of your head and yeah. then like the inner workings of that. Um, I can't think of another good example, but like, you know, there are probably like rival electricians. You don't think about that. And like rival house painters. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. you know, and I just, so the rival, rival wedding singers is very funny. Um, of course, uh, Christina Pickles plays Drew's mom, who many people will recognize as, uh, Ross and, uh, Monica's mom on Friends. Yep. Um, where she's uh, married with the lovely Elliot Gould, uh, married to rather. Uh, and then I just, I have to talk about... Um... Ben Stiller's wife? Oh, Ben St- <laughs> Whatever. She's super cute in this. She is. She's, this is actually, she actually, no, I actually like... This is actually she, made me my favorite performance of hers. I like, for a second, I was like, I want... You're right, that was dismissive. I just hate Ben Stiller so much. Um, <laughs> I... Um, I like wanted her to get with Sandler for a minute. Me like too. I was like, this would like like I'd be fine with this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I just, I the only reason so why cute. I don't want this to work is because I don't want Drew to be unhappy. But like otherwise, like yeah, this is like a perfectly fine plan B. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think she's adorable in this. I don't love her in in many other things because, okay, I'm just gonna. I, I don't have the hatred for Ben Stiller that Patrick has, but I do think that when Ben Stiller is working on things and he puts his wife in there, it's not always the best fit. Um, but it's his wife and like. I don't have any problem. I don't think we mentioned her name, which is Christine Taylor. Um, I don't have any problem with people doing that. If you were a a movie producer and uh, you wanted me in things, I'm sure you would do that, and I wouldn't complain. It's uh, Dodgeball. She's fine in. Yeah. It's Zoolander. That I'm not a big fan. And I'm not a fan of either of those movies anyway. Um, and go back to listen to our old Vince Vaughn episodes. I thought that she was so cute in this. Excuse me. I was gonna say I have to mention Steve Buscemi. Who gives <laughs> one hell of a performance? The book calls it. I've already turned the page, but the book calls it like the sour dad always loved you more 
best man at a wedding. Um, and yeah, in like the first scene of the movie, Sandler sings a song to intro it. It's very, very musical-esque. You know, you start with a big opening number and Sandler's doing his big wedding singer thing. And then Buscemi comes on to give the best man speech and in an, he, he does this great bit about like, uh, you remember that time we were in Mexico and uh, we got those two, um, well, I guess you'd call them prostitutes, wouldn't you? <laughs> You know, and you know, uh, the brother's embarrassed and the, the wife is embarrassed. And it's like, he just, he just kills it. I mean, he's, aside from like one little blip at the end where he makes like a cameo appearance, that's his only scene in the movie. Yeah. And it is like the very definition of like pinch hitter off the bench. Like, I'm going to come in, I'm going to murder this one scene and like maybe give the best performance in the movie and do something that is like, because I'm so great, so easy for me that I can really just ramp it up to like a thousand and then just dip. Yeah, I Patrick and I were just having a really long, intense conversation the other day about people who are like career bench pinch hitter people who are so good at supporting. They like are memorable supporting actors consistently. It's not that they can't be a leading person, but they are so generous in their support that it just like rivals any other person who happens to be supporting. Like they're just so good at it. Um, the, the people we were talking about, J.K. Simmons, Allison Janney. Who I wrote about in a review of the movie The Way Way Back the other day, which is what sparked this conversation. She does a very similar thing. She plays like the, the drunk next door and then like comes in for two scenes and is super crazy funny. And then you want so much more of her. Yeah. And C. Buscemi is another one of those people that is just like so generous and like he doesn't need to be the center of attention, but also you can't, if he is on screen, you're not ever looking away. Like he commands attention like no other, but he generously gives it back. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think, uh, Obviously, this is a cartoon, but uh, Monsters Inc. for sure. Right? Oh my God! He does that in so good. He does that in Fargo. He does that to a certain extent in Reservoir Dogs. Um, yeah, he's definitely he does it in I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. You know, all classics. Um, yeah, that's definitely one of his biggest biggest uh, uh, strengths as an actor. Yeah, for sure. And there are movies, like, I, I actually haven't finished that movie, Living in Oblivion. I, I saw um, a good chunk of it. He leads that movie. He's really, he's really great in that. So exactly to your point of, like, he can. There's no reason why he can't do this. Yeah. Um, he's just He just does such a specific thing really well. And this, like, two-minute bit where, you know, uh, we, we've all in some way seen the best man speech go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and he plays, like, the perfect waking nightmare version of that. Yeah, I was actually talking to um, my coworker the other day, and he was like, uh, "I was like, oh, how was your weekend?" And he said, um, "Oh, gosh, I was at, you know, bachelor functions." Blah, blah blah. I said, "Oh yeah," and he said, "Yeah, I introduced uh, this guy and his wife, but I'm not like super close with them." And I was like, "Well, you better start writing a great speech." Like, you're gonna, everyone's gonna look towards you. Like, you hooked them up, um, and I just like thought that was funny. Like, what is he gonna say? All right, so speaking of the best man speech gone wrong, there's a section in this book, in the Video Hound Guide, I've been, I've been dying to dig out for a while, where after you go through the A through Z of the movies, there's like, um, you can look up specific actors and see all the movies that they're in. You can look up like Academy Award Best Picture winners. You can look, you know, uh, see what uh, who won that, right? Then there's also just like a... Um, Movies with certain themes or aspects or things about them that unite the movies. So there's like a section about like movies that take place in hospitals. And there's a section about movies that take place that have like prominent dogs. 
And on this page, there's like a section about werewolf movies. Right, you get the idea. Yes? Yes. Okay. So there are two sections on the W page that are wedding bells. Okay. Movies with nice, charming wedding bells. Ding, ding, ding. And wedding hell. Ooh. Oh. This The video movie. how guy just gets it. <laughs> this movie is listed under wedding hell, which yeah, I would agree tumultuous, with. tumultuous, yeah. Right, right, yes. He has a wedding go wrong. He's a wedding singer at a bunch of weddings that go wrong, right? He's got what I would assume is a terrible gig. I'm sure there are people that love being wedding DJs and, you know, wedding whatevers, but to me it seems terrible. It does seem like wedding hell to me. My challenge to you is can you name another movie listed under the wedding hell section of this book? Now, I know that this is a challenge because this book ends at 2004, yeah. and that is basically when your movie consciousness turns on. Yeah. But uh, I think when that was you... Monster-in-Law? Ding, 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 ding. Oh, was it on there? Okay, great. I was like, that's... Oh, wait, no. Oh, no, I thought of the wrong one. I have The Wedding Planner. That was... Oh. Uh... Yeah, I mean, like, roll the dice on a J-Lo movie. I'll, I'll give it to you. Can you think of another one? Um... Can I think of another Wedding Hell movie? Uh, I don't know. I'm sure once you say it, I'll go like, oh, yes. Old School, a Vince Vaughn movie is listed oh, under this okay. section. Uh, the Bride of Frankenstein is listed under this section. Mm -hmm. What else do we have here? Uh, Best Men, a movie that we covered last week, oh, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what else do we have? What else do we have? The Graduate. Mm, heartbreaking. And uh, Meet the Parents, I thought you might have Ooh, come yeah. up with. Yeah. I love Meet the Parents. Uh, but yeah, anyway, that was my fun video hound game of the week. I mean, we just, we're going to milk this video hound guide <laughs> out of everything we can. Okay, so no new episode next week. We're taking next week off because next week on our website, FeaturePresentationVideo.com, is back to school week. Okay, We're doing an entire week dedicated to uh, movies about teachers, movies about students, movies about school. Uh, we're doing it on Y2Kids. We're, we're covering a fun uh, a game show over there. So next week is back to school week. I'll plug the website more in a second. But then we'll be back in a couple weeks for what I believe is ever after that I have to check. I'm very excited for Ever After. I don't think I've ever seen that. Editing Ever After, excuse me, if I can speak, which is a movie that we will be watching on VHS. Yes, I was right, Ever After. And I know how much you love watching stuff on tape. Oh, it's my favorite. Yes. It's my favorite, and we get to watch it in the bedroom now that you have it hooked up there on our very tiny screen. <laughs> so it's going to be a really, the way, the way they intended. I mean, the way probably most people have seen that movie, though, to be fair. I'm just privileged. <laughs> I'm a, I'm I'm a princess now. You've you've turned me into this monster. I didn't know the difference between DVD and Blu-ray and the quality, and now I and now I'm like prissy about it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Our website, FeaturePresentationVideo.com. We do fun stuff over there, themed weeks from time to time. You know, in every October, we do entire spooky, uh, entire month based on spooky stuff. You get the idea. Um, we not only do this show, we do by two kids, which I already mentioned. Lots of fun reviews, lots of fun columns. Taylor already mentioned her Taylor Watches Rom-Coms. Free stuff over there five days a week, Monday through Friday. You can go to our website, put your email address in, and we will send you everything that we do for free. You can also, if you want, pay $5 a month and 
donate to the cause and help us buy a new video hound guide. Uh, yes, you can find me on Letterboxd at Taylor Malone. I don't have a hat, but hopefully you'll forgive me. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Mailer Talone. She's a lonely pro member, while me, I'm a patron member. And how much do you pay for that? A lot. <laughs> it's worth it, though. It's worth it. Um, it's not. But I like to give them the money because I want to support them. Uh, okay, so I think that's... Oh, you can find me at Patrick J. Regal on Letterboxd and other places you find people online. Best place to find the show, featurepresentationvideo.com. Back to school week next week will be fun. And that means we will see you in two weeks for Ever After. See you then.